0: Hello and welcome back to Painting the Corners Top 10 Right Now series. Uh, We're finishing out the outfield today with left fielders. Uh, If you haven't listened to our center field and right field podcasts, make sure you give those a listen. But today it's all about the left fielders. Uh, We got the incumbent, Jordan Alvarez. We got a newcomer, Juan Soto, shifting over from right field to left field. Those guys will certainly headline this class, but there's a lot of kind of mid-tier players juking it out for those last few spots on this list so I'm really interested to see what Logan and I can come up with uh, in terms of a consensus list so yeah let's get into it Okay, left field. It's not been a super deep position in recent years. Um, You know, we've got those two high-end guys who I mentioned off the top, Soto and Alvarez. Beyond them, there's plenty of useful players, but not really any stars. Um, And in huge contrast to right field, where, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. placed like sixth on our list. So, yeah, definitely a different feeling list. Also, left field probably... Along with first base, um, the least defensive minded position. So I weighted my offense five to one over defense, which is, you know, pretty huge. Basically, if you can hit, you're going to make the top 10. Um, And yeah, you still got to consider, you know, volume, how long these guys have been in the league and whether they've been healthy the last few years. So that's important still. but yeah, there were a lot of guys who just either don't really feel like they should be as high as they are, or you know they do some things well, but not other things well. And it's kind of hard to wrap your head around this list, at least when I made it. Yeah, and just like you were talking about, Johnny, the crazy thing about
1: this to me was I was expecting a lot of average to so-so hitters but it really turned out to be a a much larger group of players being considered for the top 10 than any list that we have done at this point you know even the relievers list there was guys all the way through 14 15 where you're like even 16 even some of the top 16 guys where it's like okay you know like this guy has a legit shot
0: all right well i went first on the center fielder so it's on you kick us off okay well
1: my number 10 left fielder is definitely one that I know I well I feel like I'll be having to defend Um, and that is because he has not really played much and has kind of worked his way out of the the news as of the last couple years and that's Chris Bryant over in Colorado you know someone that shocked me when he made the list and I considered dropping him from it even after I saw that he was number 10 But the more I looked at it and the more I thought about it, um, big fan of Chris Bryant, still think he's an elite hitter. And I think those, you know, just through health, he'll play there in Coors. So I'm excited to see what he can do in a full healthy season down in Colorado because we know what he can do. He can win MVPs. Uh, Number nine on my list came a Chicago White Sox player with the name of Eloy Jimenez. Young guy, uh, really can swing it. We know that, can hit the ball very, very hard the goal for him is just to stay on the field and be a little bit more consistent. He's definitely had some some down years prior to last year and wasn't able to stay healthy before that. So we'll see if he's going to be able to, to rebound there and, and produce again like he did last year, but I'm banking on that fact. And we could definitely see him be a, a large riser on this list, no doubt, based on his talent level. Uh, coming in at number eight, another guy who really hasn't played too much the last couple of years, and, I, and it's kind of a theme that I've been noticing amongst this 10-11, or excuse me, this 10-9-8 range. Uh, that will be Michael Brantley over there in Houston. You know, he's been hurt a lot, but the production is insane. He's striking out at a 10% clip still to this day with elite uh, just bat-to-ball skills and just continues to produce at the plate. A guy that honestly could fit in any lineup in baseball. So he comes in at number eight. Number seven, a guy who's been pretty consistent, I'd say, the last couple years. Um, known for his postseason prowess and that is Randy Orozarena over there in Tampa Bay coming in at number seven at number six was a tough guy to rank no doubt because he had an elite year two years ago probably could be number three on this list if he even repeated half of it but he wasn't able to only played 91 games last year via injury and and was definitely a down year for him that is Tyler O'Neal one of the better defenders not saying he's an elite defender but one of the better defenders considered here for the left field position coming in at number five is a guy who kind of like O'Neill two years ago had a really breakout year last year in Anaheim and that is Taylor Ward uh, really shocked a lot of people came out of nowhere was not expected to have the year he had and just tore the cover off the baseball was an all-star and he definitely dropped off his production towards the latter half of the season But it wasn't enough to say, well, the first half was a complete and utter fluke, and he is a below-league average player. So that was kind of fun to watch over there in Anaheim, and he'll mix into that fun outfield for sure. Coming in at number four is Stephen Kwan, the rookie, uh, over there in Cleveland. You know, tough guy to rank because he doesn't hit the ball very hard. Uh, He plays solid defense. I'd say he's probably a top-three defender amongst the people we considered, but He put up four and a half war last year uh, and 147 games played. He strikes out at a 9% clip. He's walking at a 9.7. So he walks more than he strikes out. You know, the the power numbers aren't there. The bat to ball skills are insane. And I was kind of anticipating a ridiculous BABIP. And while it is towards the higher end of it, there are guys on this list who have put up higher BABIPs, uh, meaning they were a little bit more lucky on the balls that they put in play. So, I was kind of surprised that he didn't lead that list, given he only hits the ball 20% of the time hard uh, in terms of hard hit percentage. But just given the sole production rookie, bat-to-ball skills are elite. I had to put him at number four. At number three, the worst defender that we may see in the entire sport is Kyle Schwarber. You know, I say he's the worst defender in the entire sport, and I don't have exact evidence to prove that, but he's got to be bottom five at least. My goodness, does he crush the baseball? And well, he's not going to hit for an elite average. The slug is just going to be so elite. His OPS is going to be high. WRC plus over the last two years combined sits at 135. You know, especially last year, he had a, a really, really good year. His first year in Philadelphia, there wasn't a drop-off. He actually played better. So I love Kyle Schwarber at number three. At number two, and now this these top two are really tough because there was a clear one, two. And both these guys have put up essentially identical war of the last two seasons. Both guys are really bad defenders in the outfield. Uh, one guy hits the ball a lot harder, but the other guy is the next Ted Williams. However, I still ended up putting the Ted Williams guy at number two at Juan Soto. I had Soto coming in at number two and Jordan in at number one, and I have my defense for that. But before I get into that, I'd love to hear what... Uh, what your list looks like, Johnny, so we can see if maybe we agree or I'm guessing we're going to disagree more than we do.
0: Well, yeah, we've, we're have we definitely going to disagree more than we have disagreed on any of the lists so far, because I have someone at number six who you don't have on your list, and you have two or three guys, two guys that I did not have on my list on yours, so it's going to be interesting, but... Taking it off at number 10, recently signed by the Chicago White Sox. Not the same Chicago White Sox that you have on your list. I have Andrew Benintendi as my number 10 left fielder. Um, Kind of like Quan, he's got no power. He only had three home runs last year, but he's going to get you high average. Uh, he's going to play solid defense in left field. And that was enough for him to just sneak into the last spot on my list. And, man, I will say it could have been probably three other guys just for that last spot. It was incredibly close um, on my uh, rankings here. But Benintendi comes in at number 10. At number 9, I'm sure you will be shocked to hear that you will actually have to defend this player lower rather than higher. But I have Chris Bryant at number 9. All righty. So, yeah, that's that, that shocked me too a little bit that he made the list because he was so irrelevant this year. But, you know, we forgot that he was really good for the Cubs and the Giants last year down the stretch um, or two years ago, I should say, in 2021. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he comes in at number nine. He's still the fifth best hitter among these 16 left fielders. So, um, you know, I was I was definitely a little a little surprised by that. But, um, yeah, as you said, the more I thought about it, the more I kind of remembered how good he is or has been before he got hurt. Um, I was I made my peace with that. At number eight, opposite way. I thought this guy would be a lot higher on my list. Uh, Randy Arosarena coming in at number eight. Um, not quite the hitter that I really thought he was. Uh, he's been solid, just not excellent. Um, and that was enough to put him in the, kind of the middle of pack, number eight. And then one spot ahead of him, Tyler O'Neill. as you said, um, tough to rank because he his two years were completely and utterly different. He was probably a top fifteen player in the league in twenty twenty one and then really fell off the table this year um so yeah, it kind of puts him into the same boat middle of the middle of the range here at number seven at number six. I have been a staunch defender of this player for the last several years. I believe I had him number three on my list entering. 2022 and yet he is nowhere to be found on your list despite putting up let's see here a 128 wrc plus this last year and that would be mark canna of the new york mets so i'll be very interested to see uh whether you just accidentally deleted all of his stats or what uh because i'm very shocked that he's not on your list Moving on to the top five. All right. Um, It's going to be not quite. Yeah, no, it is going to be the same top five as yours in a slightly different order. I have Steven Kwan at number five, Um, that the projectability of his hard hit rate. And um, you know, just the fact that he relies so much on his BABIP and having hits fall um, definitely limits that, that projectability a little bit. So Um, combine that with the fact that he just debuted last year. We don't have a huge sample size to judge him off of. He slides a little bit to number five. Um, Still a great ranking for a pretty much unheralded rookie. At number four, I have Kyle Schwarber. Um, As you said, he of the worst defense in the field. Um, But of course, the bat plays anywhere. At number three, I was a little surprised to see Taylor Ward. Um, It's a pretty aggressive ranking, I will admit, but... Um, he put up the numbers this year. Uh, the, the first half definitely carried a little bit, but he was still a solid player in the second half. So yeah, we'll have to debate about that one. And then one and two. Yeah. You were totally right on with the fact that there's a very clear top two. Um, there's really no argument whatsoever for anyone to be ahead of these two guys, but I did not come to the same conclusion as you. I had Juan Soto, reasonably ahead he was he was clearly graded out better than Jordan Alvarez despite being slightly worse in the field the walk rate is insane like he's going to put up OBPs of 400 every year which you really just don't see in baseball these days um the strikeout rate rose a little bit but you know he's got the power he's got the eye obviously the discipline so I have Juan Soto coming in as my number one left fielder, and Jordan Alvarez as number two.
1: Well, there is definitely some differences with our lists. Uh, For the most part, though, I'm glad to hear that you have some of the guys where they are and some of the guys even on the list, like KB, uh, because I was definitely a little bit nervous when I saw my list and came to the conclusion that we would be Eon's different. I know our biggest difference is Mark Canna, and I'm sure we'll get into that one. You know, uh, the Soto Alvarez debate will be a fun one as well. But with that said, are you ready to see what we can do to come to a consensus here? Let's do it. So obviously, there's two big differences with who we have on our list. Uh, that comes in the in the realm of Michael Brantley and Eloy, and for me, and you have Andrew Benintendi and Mark Canna for you. So. We're gonna to have to figure out number ten here, and I feel like it might be someone that isn't quite making the cut for one of us. Because well, I'll say because- right now
0: that I am absolutely willing to sacrifice Benintendi for any of Brantley, Varsho, or Eloy Jimenez. Because, as I said, the top, the last spot was infinitesimally close uh, between okay. those guys. Like honestly, if, if they had gotten one more homer. If one of those guys had gotten one more homer this year, they probably would have made the, the 10th spot. Um, it was yeah. that close.
1: Yeah, no, and, and just quickly, kind of how I looked at those three guy, or those four guys, the Brantley, Eloy, Barshow, and Benintendi world, I like Benintendi the least, ironically, out of all four of those guys. And I think that more came with the fact that, like you were mentioning earlier, he profiles a lot like Stephen Kwan. Um, obviously, he hits the ball a little bit harder, but he just doesn't have that elite strikeout rate to compare to an elite, contact rate um which i would have liked to see a little bit better his strikeout rate is still well below league average like he does a good job not striking out but it's just not that elite level like a kwan so that's why i just didn't love the profile of the player varsho just missed it for me too i think he was 12 and uh Mm -hmm. obviously Eloy and brantley were nine and eight for me i'm good with putting brantley at, at 10 i guess um You know, I just like the profile of the consistency that he provides. You know, he's kind of like Stephen Kwan, where he doesn't strike out a lot. Either He's a 10% clip, but, you know, the age and the fact that he doesn't play a lot obviously hurts him. And the profile is very similar to a lot of guys. So, you know, we could put him at 10. And then Eloy Jimenez, though, I had a one spot below Brantley. He obviously has more potential than Brantley to to go off. He just hasn't done it more than in a 60-game stretch.
0: Yeah, I mean... There was, there was a few things that really hurt Eloy's ranking on my list. Um, first of all, the fact that he just has not played. He has like 500 played appearances over the last two years. Um, and that hurts. Um, obviously, he doesn't play good defense, so that's not really a point in his favor either. And then in 2021, when he was on the field, he was a league average hitter. So he's basically got half a year of good production and it's hard for me to put him over guys like, well, Brantley missed a lot of time too, but um, Varsho and Benintendi, who have been on the field and have been producing. Now, I think one more
1: case that I do need to hear, because this is this is important, not because I think we'll come into consensus that he's number 10, but he didn't make my list and that's Mark Canna. So, you know, in my mind, he's not a top 10 left fielder. I will say this, he was number 11. So okay, it, it wasn't that he was, you know, number 16 and, or anything. And I genuinely considered pushing him at number 10 over Chris Bryant. Um, you know, he's a good player and the stats are there, but honestly, comparing Dalton Varsho, who is number 12 on my list, all the way to Michael Brantley, who came in at number 8. So 8 through 12 all could have been interchanged as well for me in a lot of ways. So yeah, I came to the conclusion that Canna was number 11. But if I were to do this list tomorrow, maybe I would have come up with a different conclusion. I don't know.
0: All right. How about this? Maybe we should start from the top and work our way back. Because there's a lot of confusion around this number ten spot. Maybe we get back to that later.
1: Okay, fair enough. So that means we have to debate Alvarez versus Soto. And this was a tough one. This was very, very tough. And and I can tell you, the sole reason that I had Alvarez over Soto was because recency bias. Last year he was better than Soto. I think they're both elite hitters. I know Soto's like number one elite hitter in baseball in terms of, you know, walk rate and, and his eye at the plate, like he's he is the, the threshold to compare against. But I think Alvarez is literally like in that number two, three or four slot. Like he is almost as good as Soto when it comes to hitting. And it was like looking at how, how much better Alvarez was last year. His WRC plus just last year was 40 points higher than Juan Soto's. And I'm not trying to dock Soto. I get last year was a tough year for him in a lot of ways. And and it's tough to, you know, harp on a guy for all the change he had to go through but for me, it was just the difference last year is so tough to overlook.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do see that for sure. Um, granted, you know, in 2021, it was 163 WRC plus for Soto to 137 for Alvarez, um, which is just as big a gap as it was this year or about the same. Um, but yeah, no, I get that. The recency... Um, I just think if you're looking at projectability, Soto, I mean, this was the worst year of his career. And, you know, if you look all the way back to when he was, debuted when he was 19, he's been above this level for every single year. And so it would be not a bad bet to, to assume that he's going to, to really improve on this past year's performance. Um, and that's not to say that I think Alvarez will be bad, but. I don't know. This is the first time that he's put up a WRC plus in this 160, 170, 180 range. Um <clears throat> whereas that's where Soto has lived over the last three, four years. Uh I mean, they're super close and and also so far and away better than everybody else in the field that it just makes it tough. If you're really splitting hairs, um I do have Soto with a BABIP that was 30 points lower than it should have been last year. So uh, my my system thought he got uh, pretty unlucky last year. Um, Alvarez was just about even. It was plus or minus five points for him. So uh, not a huge difference there. But if we're talking about what we think these players will do next year, it's a a tough call. It's totally a tough call, but I'm going to go with Soto. Yeah, and I can tell
1: you this much. When I was doing this list, you know, I do statistics, I hide the players' names, all this stuff, so I don't know who's who. I just see statistics. And I had Soto ahead of Alvarez. I did, and it was by a very thin margin. And knowing that it was by a very thin margin, when I do reveal their names and I go and I look at who had a better year last year, the sole fact that Alvarez was so significantly better, at least production-wise, not saying that he was – you know, Eon's better than Soto last year. Soto definitely got unlucky last year, and the year before, for that matter. But, um, with Alvarez, <sighs> I'm good with putting Soto at one, I guess. That's what I'm trying to get at. Because I originally did have Soto above Alvarez, and like you said, going into next year, going into the next five years, I know that's not what this list is for, I don't know anyone who's going to take Alvarez over Soto, because Soto is just that elite of a hitter. Like, you know, once in a in a century type of hitter. And Alvarez, yeah, he might be a once of every, you know, 10, 15 years type of guy. But we've seen guys do what he's done so far in his career. We haven't seen what got people besides Ted Williams, quite honestly. So I'm good with putting Soto at
0: one if you are, unless I convinced you somehow that Alvarez is better, which I don't yeah. feel like I did. No, I mean, it. It is really close, though. And just to kind of underscore this, um, when you're looking at the projections for next year, I'm looking at the Bat-X projections IFA fan graphs. Soto is projected to have a 165 WRC+, and so is Jordan Alvarez, right on the nose, the exact same. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really splitting hairs. But I think Soto just has the edge in terms of consistency, and... Um, if you're thinking about the shift, both guys are left-handed hitters who pull a lot of balls into the shift, so they'll both benefit from that, which, I mean, just makes it makes them more scary uh, for pitchers. But yeah, all right, Soto at one. Let's do it. Soto one, Alvarez in two, and then here comes another debate
1: at uh, the three spot mm-hmm. because you had Taylor Ward and I had Kyle Schwarber. Now, you had Schwarber at four, I had Ward at five, so, you know, if we were just doing it based on the law of averages, obviously that would give Schwarber number three, but I'm willing because I'm a nice guy to let you argue Ward <laughs> for a second.
0: And honestly, I am willing because I'm a, not a huge Taylor Ward fan. I don't know. I'm willing to put Schwarber at three. I was pretty shocked that Schwarber Dang, I'm good at convincing. Uh, came in behind Ward. Schwarber is the better offensive player. He has been for a while, uh, whereas Ward just kind of broke out this year. Um, Ward is about an average defender and Schwarber is obviously terrible defender, but I think there is, you know, me when I'm saying, I think, I mean, personally, I think that there is a much greater chance of Taylor Ward not being able to reproduce what he did in 2022 than there is for Schwarber. Yeah. And, and just to kind of quickly add to what you're saying about Schwarber,
1: Another thing that I like more about him, he does strike out at a higher clip than Ward, but that's just the profile that Schwarber's going to be for the rest of his career, and he's learned to play around that because he walks at a pretty elite rate. Not a Soto elite, but Kyle Schwarber last year, or excuse me, over the last two years, is third in walk percentage in this entire list, and the hard hit percentage is at 53%. And that's pretty elite. That's only trailing Jordan as a head of Soto. So for me, it's just the Schwarber... You hit the ball hard, you walk a lot, who cares if your outs are K's or not, because that gives you somewhat of a floor, so I don't know, Ward's a solid player, and I think he's going to have another solid year, I don't expect him to regress much, but we just know a little bit more about Schwarber holistically than we do Ward at this point, so.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it, and I will say one more thing, we were both in attendance at Petco Park during Game 1 of the National League Championship Series, when Kyle Schwarber became the first player to visit the second deck in right field at Petco Park. So that's a an unfortunate point in his favor, but a point in his favor nonetheless. Um, okay, so Schwarber at three, does that mean we're putting Ward at four, or are we going to have a debate with him and Kwan? Well, I just quickly want to touch on Stephen Kwan's case,
1: because... The issue that I had with Ward putting him much higher than five was the sole fact that last year was kind of the first year out of nowhere type guy, but I guess so was Stephen Kwan. Obviously, I already mentioned this about Kwan, his elite strikeout rate under 10%, unheard of these days, but that hard hit rate is literally half that of Taylor Ward's. It's at 20% and Ward's at 41. Kwan, being a better defender, they ended up having about the same war Uh, granted Ward's played a little bit more over the last two years not by a huge margin but he has so I don't know I just think Stephen Kwan just selfishly I think Stephen Kwan can repeat what he did where I don't think Ward can and I think Ward's stats are a little bit skewed because of an insanely hot first half versus a Pretty good second half, which I think that's more of what he is. And I think Quan can repeat this. So that's my logic uh, of putting Quan ahead of Ward because statistically there's pros and cons to both guys. And it was tough for me to say, well, this guy statistically is much better and projects much better. But I'm not opposed to putting Ward above Quan. It's just in my mind, seeing Taylor Ward's name at number four is crazy to me, not Stephen Quan.
0: Yeah, and I would have to agree with that assessment. Um, yeah, as you said, just two guys that are tough to project for completely different reasons. Because Quan has this approach that is not common in today's game, the, you know, 80s slap hitter kind of guy. And so you kind of have to wonder whether that is a viable strategy in today's game, you know, with the home run being king. Whereas Ward is more of the stereotypical left fielder. Uh, he's going to hit home runs. He's not going to play great defense. He's going to take his walks. Um, he's not going to strike out too much, but obviously nowhere near the rate that Quan does. Um, but at the same time, it's, will he repeat that? You know, because he just did it for the first time in the first half 2021, or 2022, excuse me. And then, as you said, he kind of fell off a little bit. Um If I'm looking at my little luck index here, I do have Stephen Kwan as, I believe, the luckiest player in my. uh, Well, no, second luckiest. He gained a whopping 61 points of Babip. He had a 323 Babip, and I had him for an expected 262 Babip. Um, And when you have so many balls in play, you know, he only walks. 9.7% of the time and strikes out 9.4% of the time. So like it's a huge contact rate. He puts the ball in play a lot. And so that BABIP is a lot more important for him than a guy who strikes out a lot more and walks more. And so that he he is really dependent on that, as I said, from the start. Can he repeat it? I don't know. Um, The shift ban won't really affect him because he's such a good spray hitter. I could really go either way on this one.
1: Yeah, I think I'm good with putting Ward at number five, or excuse me, at number four. If I know you had him at three. I'm good at putting Ward at four and then Quan at five.
0: All right. Okay, now it gets real interesting.
1: Though I think we have one more spot that we can agree on real quick. I, I do. I think it doesn't get interesting yet. And the reason I say that is because I have Tyler O'Neill at six and you have him at seven. Do you think we can kind of get that one out of the way and put him at six? Are yeah, okay I don't think I'm going to
0: convince you that. Mark Canna is number six. No, probably not. At
1: 11. So yeah. I think we can get a consensus top six, and then seven, eight, nine, ten is where the bloodbath is probably going to begin.
0: Well, I mean, by that logic, you have a Rosarena at seven, and I have him at eight. So
1: Are you are you good putting him over Canna? Will that kill you?
0: Well, I don't know. I've got to, I've got to sell you on Mark Canna first. So, you do. So I'm good with putting you know a right
1: Rosarena is. at seven, unless you want to attempt to argue that he's better than a Rosa right for this list that we are making together.
0: Okay. Mark Canna. Um, so first of all, I don't have him graded out incredibly well for, you know, offense and defense, but the fact that he has played pretty much every day, the last couple of years is a big point in his favor when a lot of these guys behind him have not uh, had that consistency though. So that's, first of all, just a big thing. Um, 2021, I've got him for a 117 WRC Plus in 2021 and a 128 in 2022. Uh, If you're looking at a Rosarena, we've got a 128 in 2021 and a 125 in 2022. So that's um, probably a slight edge to a Rosarena. But if you're looking at their their profiles, um, Canna with an 8.9% walk rate, a little above average, and a really solid 17.9% strikeout rate last year, whereas a Rosarena walks a little less than average, 7.1%, strikes out a little more than average, 24.2%. Uh, if you're looking at the projections, we've got a Rosarena at 118 WRC+, plus and Canna at 109. So I think considering all that, um, I would be willing to put a Rosarena at number seven and battle it out between Canna and some of these other guys. Sounds good to me, because I was about to say I have not been convinced that Canna is
1: above Rosarena. Yeah. But I'm willing to be convinced otherwise for sure. So we'll uh, insert a Rosarena there at number seven, and that kind of leaves us down to a a nitty-gritty for the final three spots. And I think we both kind of admitted that there was a lot of guys who. Could have made this final three for either one of us, but that's kind of where we saw that flux. Um, the three
0: players left. I think, I don't know where he's going to land, but I think since we both have Chris Bryant on our list, I think he's got to be in here somewhere, 8, 9, 10. I agree. And I
1: don't know, like, that's tough to say, oh, let's push Bryant all the way up to 8, because that would be a bump for both of us but right. we both have them on the list. So I guess it'll be interesting, but yeah, I think we can say that Bryant will find himself somewhere in this eight, nine, 10 spot. Let's just see where we're able to fill out the rest. And you know, besides Bryant, the two guys that you're trying to argue are going to be Mark Canna and Andrew Benintendi. And I'll be arguing Michael Brantley and Eloy. And keep in mind, that doesn't mean that someone who didn't make either one of our lists can't sneak onto here. If we both have right. them just missing it as well, we've already done that in a previous list. So yeah, let's see what we can get done here. You know, I'd like to hear your argument for Mark Hanna over Chris Bryant. Actually, I'd be interested to hear that one.
0: Okay. Um, That argument is going to be mainly based on health and consistency. Uh, I don't think anyone would argue that Canna has a higher ceiling or a, um, you know, is a more explosive player than Chris Bryant. That's absolutely not true, but Bryant played, you know what? he got 181 played appearances last year, like less than a, about a quarter of a season really he played about a quarter of a season you know if you're coming off that kind of an injury riddled season it's really hard to project that he's going to be better um, than a guy like canna who just played 600 played appearances or more the last couple of years but you know on the other hand yeah he is he put up a one let's see 24wrc plus in 2021 125 in limited, limited action last year. It's about the same as Canna, but uh, I maybe mean, a shade better. But without that consistency, I, I really couldn't stomach putting him over Canna.
1: Okay, that's fair. And I guess it's splitting hairs here because, like you said, I think Bryant's a better player. And I think Brian's probably a better player than half these guys that made the top 10. I think there's an argument in the yeah. world in which that's very true. I think... If he has a good year next year, there's no doubt in my mind he can put himself at four or three. But like you said, the inconsistency, the change of teams, just the lack of being on the field makes Chris Bryant tough. And I guess real quickly, the reasons that I put Brantley and Eloy, because I'm going to kind of combine the two given the fact that they haven't played a lot. So the fact that I had those guys over Canna really comes from the fact... That I think they do certain things very, very well. And I think Mark Hanna does a lot of things above average, if that makes sense. I think Mark Canna is a very, you know, create a player type of guy who just plays the game really well. And I think you look at Eloy, well, you just made yourself a power profile, you know, toolsy guy. And Brantley, a contact first, hard nosed type player. And so that's kind of like, what do you want? You want the guys who have. An aspect of their game that's elite or do you want canna who just does everything really really well and the more i think about it the more i look at it the fact that canna's played a lot compared to all three of the guys chris bryant Eloy, and michael brantley i'm good with putting mark canna at number eight all right that's what i'm talking about so given that we now have to decide the nine and ten so i think we can first start off by saying this chris bryant (laughs) given the fact that, you know, even more so than Eloy has played the last two seasons. So with that said, I'm okay with putting KB at number nine, because even with Michael Brantley in that conversation, he's played almost identical amount of games. Actually, he's played one more game in the last two seasons than Michael Brantley. So if you are, I'm good with putting Brian at nine, just leaving us that 10 spot to hash out. Absolutely. Okay, so for the 10 spot, I think we got a couple guys and let's kind of see what consensus we can come up to here because obviously you have Benintendi coming in at number 10. For me at the moment, both Brantley and Jimenez have yet to be put on this list and they were both on mine and obviously we both mentioned Varsho at some point. So I can say this much. For Benintendi, the argument for Ben Benintendi, I just don't love him. I don't think he's very good. Out of all those guys, he was ranked the lowest. Um, and I think one other guy that I would like to mention, and not that we should consider him for this list, but it's kind of funny how we haven't mentioned Christian Yelich's name. But, yeah, you know, that's that's a whole other story. But I find that very interesting.
0: Oh, my gosh. I mean, going into the 2020 season, he was number one by a mile and a half. Um, and then in going into the 2022 season... It was like, oh, I don't know. He hasn't been that good. And then now he's just completely off the list. Um, And another guy that I was a little surprised to see kind of way out of contention was Ian Happ. Um, He had a pretty solid year this year. Uh, We were talking about him on the pod at the trade deadline, uh, having a career year. But yeah, really don't have a spot for him. He comes in at number 15. Only Lord Escrial Jr. was below him at 16. Um, so yeah. Okay. Getting back to number 10 here, it comes down to really four names, right? Benintendi, Brantley, Varsho, and Eloy Jimenez. I'm going to agree with you right off the bat. Then it shouldn't be Benintendi. Uh, despite okay. the fact that I have him at number 10. Um, all four of those guys are statistically equal in my list. It's really just decimal points. Separating them. Um, So between Brantley, Varsho, Jimenez, you have Brantley and Jimenez on your list. Correct. Which means you like them more than Varsho. Is that correct?
1: I do like them more than Varsho. And the thing about Varsho is he just is not an elite type of hitter in any sort of way. You know, he plays defense better than anyone here by a – wide margin and i mean a wide margin. wide margin and so that's why there was a consideration for him for me but if if his defense was rated average even given all the names on this list he would not have been close but he puts up five point or excuse me he puts up six point nine more over the last two seasons because of the elite defense but the offense really has been the same i think it was about 106wrc plus last year and a 104 two years ago you know what you're gonna get you're gonna get a speed first guy that can handle the bat pretty well, but he doesn't strike out at an elite rate. He's at a 23% strikeout rate, walks at 8%, hits the ball hard under 40% of the time. I don't love him. I just don't love the profile of a defensive speed first guy. I never have unless they're a, a Stephen
0: Kwan type of strikeout rate. Yeah, and Varsho strikes out a bunch too. But he does. He did hit 27 homers, so he's got the power. Um, totally. I will say two things about Varsho. Number one, I would be really interested to see where he profiles among our center fielders because he's only in left field because the Jays signed Kevin Kiermaier. Um, And he was playing primarily center field for the Diamondbacks last year, where he was rated as the best defensive outfielder in Major League Baseball. So that tells you how good of a defender he is. Um, He'll be way over talented to play left field. But... At the same time, he is in left field, so you can't really give him too much credit for his defense. The other thing I was going to say is, I read an article earlier today that I sent to you, Logan, and of course we've talked about this off the pod, about Dalton Varsho's secret superpower. And it's the fact that he has bunted with the bases empty, bunted for a base hit 10 times last year, and he was successful 9 of those 10 times. And uh, that's a cool 900 batting average for those of you playing along at home. Um, and bunts are not well valued by a lot of these stats. Like your, you know, hard hit percentage, um, that's 10 balls right there that are certainly not hit hard and they're also hit on the ground. Um, so that's not good for your expected stats, your projections, you know, the projection systems can't differentiate between a bunt and a chopper back out to the pitcher. That's an out 95% of the time. Um, so That was certainly an interesting article, and with how close Varsho is or was to the top, to the back end of my list, um, if I had somehow finagled a way to incorporate that bunting ability in here, he certainly would have squeaked in over Benintendi. Um, That's not to say that I think it's a hugely valuable skill and we've got to have him on our list, but it is definitely interesting and should be considered.
1: No, it definitely is, though I guess my devil's advocate to that is, do those 10 bunt attempts affect the hard hit percentage enough to where if they were taken out of it, that I'd be like, oh yeah, Dalton Varsho, give me him as a top 10 left fielder? My response would be no. I just, again, like I mentioned earlier, don't look the profile of the guy. But I will say that is a very interesting article that I did get a chance to read, and Varsho is definitely a unique player in today's game with the mix of speed, power, bunting ability, defense. He He's definitely, you know, unique. There's not many, if any, guys that do what he does uh, production-wise. So he's fun to see, but then again, you know, is it good enough to make him a top 10 left fielder? What say you? Because if not him, you're going to have to like Eloy or Brantley better.
0: Yeah, and I I honestly probably do, but it is funny to think of a guy who the Blue Jays were willing to trade a consensus top, what, top 10, top five prospect for um, and doesn't even rate in as as a top 10 left fielder. Um, It's, yeah, I don't know. I could definitely see him uh, jumping into this list by next year, but this is the top 10 left fielders right now. And so if we're talking about right now, I think it's probably between Brantley and Jimenez. Um, It's a very, very, very slight edge to Brantley, who came in at 11 over Jimenez, who was actually tied with Varsho at 12 and 13. Um, But not, you know, you can certainly convince me of one of them over the other.
1: Well, I think we can almost make it easy on ourselves because Brantley did edge out Eloy for me. So given that, I think we both agree that even if it's slight, we do like Brantley a little bit more at this point. So if you're good with it, I'm good with putting Brantley at 10. All right. Sounds good. All right. So we've got our lists here, and that means it's time to, as we wind down this episode, talk about what MLB Networks the Shredder had in comparison to what we had. And so with all that said, uh, let's kick it off with what they had at number 10. And that would be a guy we just had narrowly missing our list, and Eloy Jimenez. So they had Eloy coming at number 10. Obviously, I had him on my list and Johnny didn't. Um And our consensus was to have him just miss. I think 10's a fair spot for him. You know, there's definitely a world in which I think Johnny and I could have come up with that consensus number 10 spot for Eloy. Number nine, and I'm interested to hear your response to this, because we already discussed how he is probably the second worst guy on this list. And they had Ian half that feels like a recency
0: bias times 10, maybe. Oh my gosh. I don't, I don't understand this one at all. Um, yeah, like I, wow. He was pretty clearly second worst in the whole, the whole 16, 16 person field here, 16 left fielder um field and man, like I I can't even make an argument for hap over Yelich or Hap over Varsho or Hap over Brantley. Benintendi, all these guys, let alone yeah, wow, all of them. Um that's that's pretty wild. I would definitely like to see what they were looking at when they put him there. And if I had
1: to put a guess into why he made the top 10, it would have to just be the fact that he was better last year and more readily available than Chris Bryant, than Michael Brantley. But then again, coming in at number eight was Michael Brantley. So, yeah, there really isn't a, like, oh, well, you know, they had him over Brantley and Eloy and Tyler O'Neill because he just played more and, um, you know they, for whatever reason, just value last year's first half a lot. Like I, I don't know, I, I don't see it either. But like I said, they have Brantley coming in at number eight. Not to harp on the the interesting decision there by putting Hap, but they have Brantley at eight. And I know that's exactly where I had him. We had him coming in at number ten, and you had him missing. So you know I'm okay with having Brantley at eight. That's where I put him personally. And like we kind of talked about earlier, anywhere after eight, there was definitely kind of a an option there to to put a bunch of guys. So I don't think either of us are going to gripe at Brantley being at eight. And if he's healthy, I think that's probably an easily fair spot for him. Uh, number seven, they did have O'Neill. That's only one spot off of where we had him, exactly where you had him on your personal list, Johnny. So it seemed like they did a good job there. Coming at number six, um, while well, there's only one slot off of where you and I came to consensus with, is Stephen Kwan. I am a little surprised he comes in at number six because of the tendency that I feel like the Shredders had to certain rookies. But, you know, I think that's probably just given his hard hit percentage. I'm guessing that they don't love love that. And the fact that he doesn't slug, I'm guessing that kind of factors into that one.
0: Yeah, probably. Um, as you said, though, if you're looking at Hap with the recency bias, putting him in I don't really understand the putting a Rosarena who they have just above Quan at number five I don't really understand that choice because Quan was certainly better than a Rosarena No he totally was year.
1: and my guess with the Rosarena is just the fact that he's been pretty consistent uh, at about 120 WRC plus in that range the last couple of years uh, that's only the thing that I can can figure out there but then to have Taylor Ward at number four it just seems inconsistent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of done critiquing this list. It's uh, it's kind of, I don't know. It's not super far off from ours, but there are some really weird decisions for sure. Definitely, and, and like you said, we don't spend too much more time on it. They
1: had Schwarber at three. They did put Juan Soto at number two and having Jordan at number one. That definitely is a recency thing because there's no other way to... to Really describe how that would come to conclusion, other than the fact that Yordan was who he was last year and Soto wasn't just quite as good. And that was my reasoning, but that was the only reasoning that you could really come to there. So, given that, I think that this was a tough list to consider. And I don't know, I don't, I still looking at the lists of MLB Network, ours, and the one that you and I came up with together, I don't love any of them. No. They're all they're all flawed for sure. It's tough. Definitely, it's tough. So, with that said, next episode is going to be first base. Yes, we're going to jump down to the infield finally and and get our rankings on that. We'll see where the likes of Paul Goldschmidt, Pete Alonso, Freddie Freeman, and all those guys come in, and some of the newcomers on the list, like uh, our Padre fans will will know, Jake Cronenworth will be considered for first base. So that'll be interesting to see where and if at all he makes that list. So thank you guys again so much for giving this one a listen. Please make sure to go ahead and check out our previous top 10 lists. We have center field, right field, and relief pitchers done at this point. So those were definitely fun to do. So definitely give us a listen. We always appreciate the support.
0: See ya.